Well, good morning. You don't look like a group of people who lost an hour of sleep last night. You're the early risers, right? When the time changes, uh, the second service is always jam-packed every single time. And we know why. I know when my alarm clock went off, I felt that loss of an hour. Well, we're in a very exciting time in the life of our church. We're in a series called Catalyst. And if you're here for the first time, it's the perfect time to find out more about LifePoint Church and what we believe God's calling us to do over the next couple of years. This word catalyst, it, it, it just means that a catalyst is a substance that causes change. And that's what we want God to do with us, to use us to change our family, to use us to change our community, and to use us to change our world. We're really counting on God to do some big things in the life of our church over the next couple of years. This series is five weeks long. We're in week number three. Leading up to a day on March 25th, we're calling Commitment Sunday, where you, after you have prayed through and discussed with your family and asked God to speak to you, how you will participate in Catalyst and help fund this vision that's, that's going to be a journey God takes us on over the next couple of years. And as you come that day on the 25th, having prayed through what God would have you do, we're going to celebrate our commitment to this vision that we believe God has for our church. Like the verse said in the video, we believe God is going to do more than we ask or imagine. Because when we look at the past of our church, in, the, in our church, we know that God has done more than we could ever ask or imagine in the past. And we know in the future, he's going to do the same thing. So as we continue to talk about being a catalyst, because we, we know there's more to do. We know God's got more for us. We know that, that God has bigger and bigger plans for our church. This idea of catalyst, it, it's about a lot of things. It's about the ministries we have every Sunday morning. It's about how we're going to reach our community. It's how we're going to use the buildings that we own and will own as a tool to connect more people with God and to send money to the southern hemisphere to plant a church and to help people get to know Jesus there. But the thing that, that ranks right up at the top with all those other tangible things I just shared is what God will do inside of you. The change that will come into your life. The change that you're going to feel because you picked up one of those booklets and you've gone to your small group and you've discussed it and prayed about it. And the change that catalyst is going to cause in you by the Spirit of God speaking to you maybe like he never has before. I don't want anybody to miss that. I want everybody, I want 100% of our church to feel God leading them and guiding them through this season of our church. As I've sat with dozens of people over the last few weeks as we've started this catalyst journey, I've started to hear how God is working in their lives and speaking to them. And it's, it goes way beyond anything financial. The financial part is a result of God speaking to you. It's not how to get God to speak to you. It's just a result. And when I hear people say things like, you know, Donnie, I, I prayed with my family for the very first time. My wife and I sat around the table or sat in our bed one night and we, we just prayed about what God would have us do and how we can participate to be agents of change in our family, our community, and our world. When I hear people talk about for the first time in their life, they're really taking an inventory and thinking about, God, what do you want me to do? Some of you may have never asked that question before. And then the people who score really big points, you want to know how to score big points with Donnie? 
just say, you know, I'm thinking of ways that I can help people get connected with God. I make a mental note of who says that. Because that's what we're all about at LifePoint. If you're a follower of Christ, God has given you a great task. All of us who say we follow Jesus, he's given us a big job because we are his plan to transform the world. We are his plan to change the world. Because if just one generation gets complacent, if just one generation doesn't have vision, if just one generation says, "Ah, eh, well, I don't really care, then the church dies. Then the message of Christ is no longer spread. We're not going to be that generation. We're going to be God's agents. We're going to be God's transformers. So we have to constantly look at ways. How can we spread the message of Christ in a way that transforms people? Jesus has always been about equipping and calling his followers to go out and spread his message and help transform the world. In 1998, my grandfather died. And I was really close to my grandfather. He was a really special, powerful man. He, he, he preached at one church for 52 years. And he, he planted about 30 other ones. And I didn't listen for a long time and didn't care to know all that until I was in my early 20s. But right before my grandfather died, the last words that he ever said to me were said, I was standing at his door leaving. Family was in the van. I went back in to give him a hug and tell him bye. And, and Alzheimer's was really taking over. And he was getting, it was getting really hard for him to remember things and people. And he was forgetting most everybody. And he would have times when he would remember and times when he wouldn't. And, and we were loading up the van to head back to Louisiana where he lived at the time. And, and I said, Pap, I'll see you next time I'm home. And he said, well, I hope I remember you, son. <laughs> that was his attitude. Those are the last words he said in a jovial way. Well, I hope I remember you. And that's the last time I ever saw him alive. See, the last words, you probably have loved ones in your life who have gone on, and you remember the last thing they said to you. You remember the last experience you had with them. Today we're going to look at a section of Scripture that's the last thing Jesus said to his followers. After his death, burial, and resurrection, he gathers the 11 disciples, the apostles who were left, and he, he has some very challenging words to say to them. And I bet they never forgot it. There's some Bibles coming down the aisles right now. And if you don't have one, just raise your hand. We give these out every week at LifePoint because we believe the words in there are true. And if you want one, take it home with you. If you'd like to use one today and follow along, uh, you can use it and leave it in the back on your way out. Raise your hands. Ushers will give you one. The, the passages are also on the screen uh, with the page number so you can find them real quick in that Bible. In the book of Acts, chapter 1. Verse 8, this takes place when Jesus is speaking to the 11 disciples or apostles who are left and they're wondering what's going on, what's happening, what's, you know, this, this leader of ours, he looked like he died and he went in this tomb and now he is here alive and, and they've got to be confused. I mean, wouldn't you be? If somebody said, well, I was dead and now I'm back, I mean, you, not only would you really listen to what they had to say, you'd be a little confused. You'd be wondering what in the world's going on. And that's how Jesus 
begins to speak to these guys when they're no doubt in this inner turmoil as to what in the world is happening. Listen what he says to them. When they're doubting, when they're scared, when they're wondering, he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now we hear those those words and we just gloss over them. Okay, Jesus said, go be my witness to these 11 guys who were left. But he says it in a way that they would have understood, oh, that's how Jesus wants his message to get out. When he says, be my witnesses in Jerusalem, you know what that meant to them? Your family. Because they were Jews. Guess who lived in Jerusalem? Jews. They were family. If you were a Jew, whether you met anybody or not, if, if you're a Jew and they're a Jew, they're your family. Whether you knew them or not or whether you'd ever met them before in your life, they're this family because there's this chosen nation that, that God called out. And when he says go to Jerusalem, he's telling those 11 followers, go to your family and be my witness. Tell them about this transforming message that you've just heard about. Go do it. And after you tell your family, I want you to go to Judea and I want you to go to Samaria, those two regions had very specific meaning to his listeners that day. Judea would have been the, the, the tribes that were, had formerly been scattered that were now together in Judea. It would have been people who lived near them and they were like them. They were also Jewish, but they were not Jerusalem Jewish, they were Judea Jewish. So he's saying, Look, go to your family, then I want you to go to the people around you that are like you. That's, that's Judea. That's their community. And then he says, go to Samaria. Now, Samaria was around them, but Samaria was very much unlike them because Samaritans were typically not in association with Jews very much because Samaritans were what they would have called half-breeds. They were half Jewish and half Babylonian. And when a Jewish person and a Babylonian, you know, gets together, what they create is a Samaritan. So Jewish people didn't really associate with them that much because they were, they were unlike them. So Jesus is saying, be my witness to people who are around you, but they're not like you. Then Jesus says, to the ends of the earth. So, Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That's where I want you to be my witnesses. In other words, everywhere. Everywhere you go, as you go, be my witness. And what does a witness do? A a witness simply tells what they've seen and heard. They don't pronounce judgment. They don't give opinion. They simply tell what they've seen and what they have experienced. And he's saying, take this message And share it with people in your family. Share it with people in your community that are like you. And share it with people in your community that are not like you. And then share this message with the world. Go be witnesses to all that you have seen and done. What did they see? What did they they witness? They witnessed the poor physically and spiritually hearing the message of God. They witnessed people who were hopeless finding hope. They witnessed people who thought they had no friends becoming a friend of Christ. 
They witnessed people who needed forgiveness, finding forgiveness in a relationship with Christ. They witnessed Jesus letting the world know that God has something to say about your life, whether you believe it or not. And then they went for it. Jesus said, go do this. Go to Judea, uh, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And then that's in Acts chapter 1. And if you just start reading through this book of Acts, all the chapters, page after page of all 28 chapters, you see these 11 guys that said, all right, Jesus said, be a witness and go, let's go for it. And what you read about, if you read the book of Acts, are people having their sins forgiving, people changing. And it seems like on every page, in every chapter, there's somebody that says, yes, I accept the message of Christ. They went and were witnesses as they worked out differences among each other, as, as relationships healed, as they encountered opposition of people who didn't believe in Christ and actually tried to, to kill them all. They, they continued to go and they continued to be witnesses. And 11 guys went for it, and now you're here. If they had not went for it, you wouldn't have been here. If your neighbor invited you here today and you're here because a friend or neighbor invited you, it's because they're going for it. They're being a witness. If you grew up in a traditional church, you probably heard the word, we're going witnessing. You're going to go witnessing tonight. That's what I heard growing up. Go witness. And all they're saying is, go let somebody know about your faith. And that's what these 11 guys did. If you traced your spiritual family tree, like I know the person that taught me about Christ, and I'm pretty sure the person that taught them about Christ. I don't know what goes beyond that. But if I went back and I traced the spiritual family tree, like if you did, it would end up in Acts chapter 1, 11 guys listening to Jesus say, to the ends of the earth, because we're the ends of the earth unless you're Jewish, Samaritan, or Judean. We're the ends of the earth people. We're the folks who were way out there. And these 11 guys said, hey, Jesus said do this, and we're gonna do it. We're his plan to continue the message, this transforming message, moving throughout the world. And if you're a follower of Christ, you don't get to choose whether or not you're a witness. You just choose whether or not you're a good one. Because when you follow Christ, you become a witness. Years earlier, these same followers of Christ had heard Jesus say something else they probably never forgot. It's two little words. They're recorded in Mark chapter 1, and Jesus says, follow me. It says, come follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. See, transformation is something that starts when we start to follow Christ. And Jesus intentionally said, follow me. He didn't say, become a Christian, take on a title, actively follow me. You don't hear us say Christian a lot at LifePoint because that really doesn't describe what Jesus called us to do and be. He called us to follow him. There's action with that. And when these disciples would have heard years before what we read in Acts 1, Jesus saying, follow me, it meant something. Because if you, when you read that in, in Mark chapter 1, it's the same people who heard Jesus say what he said in Acts chapter 1. So years earlier, they would have heard Jesus say, follow me. Now, how could those two words make, make these guys leave everything? 
Well, there's a lot of meaning packed behind the two words, follow me, because real quick, if you were a fisherman in in, uh, in that day and time, it meant that really nothing else kind of worked for you. If you were a Jewish fisherman, it meant that you were probably taking up the family business. It meant that your rabbi, as you were growing up and going to good Jewish school growing up, it meant that your rabbi would have at some point said, you know what, maybe you should take up fishing. <laughs> you know, it meant that you didn't do really well in school. It meant that today you might be called a flunky. So they end up just fishing. Because at some point, they would have wanted a rabbi, like all young Jewish boys would have at that time, to say, come and follow me and let me teach you, and you can do what I do. That's what it meant to hear a rabbi say that. Follow me. They were like, wow, this rabbi thinks I can do what he does. All young boys wanted to hear that. And the ones that didn't longed to feel that acceptance and that invitation from a rabbi saying, come and follow me. Because they knew that it meant, you can do what I do. You you can have the knowledge and the influence that I have. So no wonder these fishermen dropped their nets and left their livelihood when they heard a Jewish rabbi say, follow me. They were probably in their early, early to late 20s, and they finally heard a rabbi say, follow me. So it's like, yes, I've been waiting to hear that since I was 12 years old. I've been told I couldn't all my life. I've been told I've just got to be a fisherman because nothing else really worked out. I failed out of community college or whatever, and now this rabbi comes along and he says, follow me. But what they heard was... You can do what I do. You can transform the world. You can have influence like you've never had before. Because they followed Jesus, they got to experience new things. They got to feel new things. They got to do things they would have never gotten to do otherwise had they not listened to Jesus' call to follow him. See, I'm, I'm transformed when I follow Christ. When I choose to step into the family, and I know not everybody here has made that decision to take that step into the family of God, but when you, when you make that decision, you are transformed. And when you're transformed, you get to experience something new. I'm excited about this catalyst journey because as our leaders prayed through this, and there's all the specifics that I'm going to mention, but, but there's the part that that we were almost excited about, and that is what God was going to do in the hearts of people to help them experience new things and make new commitments like they never had before. And I got this note the other day that said this, Donnie, thank you for this catalyst journey. I'm learning so much, and more importantly, through what I've learned already, I'm learning to be content. And they go on to say that, They're learning more and more that they have a life of abundance. And instead of using their abundance for them, they know that they need to use that abundance to help transform lives. So Jesus says, I will make you. And what he means by that is, I am the source of transformation. That person that sent me that note didn't do so because I said something really cool on a Sunday or we had neat videos and cool artwork and flashy, spinny stuff on the screen. They said that because Jesus Christ is transforming them from the inside out. So when Jesus says, follow me, I will make you, he wants you to know, I am the source of your transformation. I am the one who will transform you. Then he says, I'll make you fishers of men. And Jesus is saying to these guys, you used to try to catch fish all day, but now you're going to fish for people. And I can imagine their excitement 
when they said, wow, you mean we can actually have influence in people's lives the same way we influence these fish into these nets and we can do this with people? No wonder the book of Acts is full of them just going into all areas just like Jesus asked and being his witness. See, when I'm a witness, God uses me to transform others. And a witness to you may be as simple as, hey, why don't you come and check out my church? If you're a follower of Christ, you're his witness. See, that's how the Catalyst vision was born, was because we wanted to help you be a a witness to bring change to your family, to your community, and to your world. So we're going to go for it. Just like these 11 guys did, we're going to go for it because we think the words of Christ mean something. So we're going to go for it as we take the message of Christ as far as we can possibly take it. Listen to this verse again as you think about our, our three areas of community, or family, community, and world. Jesus said, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. See, when we say change our family, that's our Jerusalem. That's our, that's, that's our church family. That's expanding what we do in our church family. On March 11th, 2007, I finally gave in to my now 16-year-old, who was 11 years old at the time. She had been asking to be baptized since she was 8 years old. And, and I just, I didn't think she was ready. And then one day, that March day, she knew there was a baptism Sunday, and she was like, Dad, I hope you can participate in this with me, because <laughs> I'm doing this. I want to do this. And I thought, you know what? Why am I standing in the way of one of my children taking another step in her relationship with Christ? If you went up to her today and you said, Molly, how did you learn about Jesus? She, she wouldn't say, my daddy taught me because he's a pastor. She would say, well, I learned about Jesus and how to respond in Studio 252 on Sunday morning. I learned about Jesus from Miss Cheryl. Miss Kathy and Miss Rhonda. That was when we had about 10 times less kids showing up. Now there's 10 times more kids showing up, hearing about Jesus and learning about who he is. Some of your kids will make decisions for Christ because of what they're learning right now. I got a letter one time from a guy who came to our church and he's since moved on to another town, but he sent me this email and said, hey, pastor, I just wanted you to know how much I loved your church. And, and this is like a biker dude, like chains, big, heavy, black boots, beard, leather, a little bit scary. And, you know, if you meet him in the right context, context you'd probably feel a little, a little weird. But he sends me this email and he says, I've cried two times in my life. When my daughter was born and today at church. And he goes and tells me all these bad experiences he's had with church. And he says, thank you for restoring my faith. In church, I'll see you next Sunday. And if you ever get our e-news, you see, I always say, see you next Sunday, almost every single time. And I, I, I didn't do that before that guy. And just something about him saying, see you next Sunday, because he thought church was not a place for him. And all of a sudden, he said, it is. There's a lot more mollies out there. There's a lot more biker dudes out there. And we need to keep 
creating an environment and expanding our environment so we can help more mollies and biker dudes find a relationship with Christ. And that's what it means that we're going to expand what we do. Now, people have said to me, I, man, I, I don't like big churches. I don't like big, there's never a time when Jesus said, hey, when your church gets this big, stop, okay? You've told enough people about me, you can feel good. If you don't like big crowds, you're not going to like heaven. I mean, it's going to be full of people. And if you don't like the big crowds in heaven, there's only one other option, and it'll be more crowded. <laughs> so you got to get used to the fact that there's, in our county, 88% of the people who don't go to church on Sunday morning, our church is going to get bigger. God is doing more than we can ask or imagine, and more people are going to be showing up. And yeah, it's colder and reminiscing the days when, you know, the a room half this size would hold more, the, more than double the people that we had coming. And, but God is calling us to more. God is calling us to bigger. God is calling us to be more effective. And whatever that number is, I don't know. But I know that he says, keep going to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And that's what we're going to do. So our family, that's our Jerusalem. And we're going to keep telling the little kids and the people that walk through the door. And we're going to keep helping people heal marriages and break addictions and learn about Christ. And we're going to be agents of change for God in that area changing our community that's our Judea and that's our Samaria that's our building right down the street it's going to be open I know I said May last May but it's not going to be May it's going to be close I didn't factor in the city of Raleigh and all these silly little rules and stuff about wanting you to have sewer and water and all those things and so it's going to take a few more months, but it's not far, not long. You're going to see construction equipment and all that stuff out there. And, and there's going to be this building that you're going to walk in, and it's going to have a big sign over the door that says, bring in your food and drink, please. Right? And if it means replacing the carpet every few years, we'll do it. It doesn't matter. Because what we want to do is create a place where the community can feel like I really get a connection with God when I interact with these people in this place. And all the things that we're going to do from the public sports fields to the or to community sports fields to the community rooms in the building, all those things are done to reach our Judea, to reach our Samaria. Because that's what Christ has called us to do. And this inspires people. It inspires people. When we first shared the vision of, of our downtown site, a person who never went to the down, who never got involved with downtown, who doesn't go there now took me out to lunch, slid an envelope across the table and said, here's $10,000 in cash for the downtown location. Like, wow, that's pretty cool. And he never even went there. And because our church is multiple sites, there's people giving and being sacrificial to help the, the church continue to transform our community. And they may never walk in this building up here. You may never walk in our building down on Western Boulevard that we're going to continue to give facelifts to because it's an older building. You may never go in the cool places that we have downtown, but it's still your church family. And this area is still your Judea and your Samaria. And we're going to continue to be God's light in our community. And then, changing our world. To the ends of the earth. You know, we're helping plant a church in Ecuador and saying church plant is not 
not completely accurate because it started out as a journey with Compassion International that we were going to help plant a church in a community. In the video, you're going to see me in a moment. I even say plant a church. But from the time that video was made until a day later when the, the next one was made, or actually later that day, we found out that it's not really like a place where there is nothing and then all of a sudden there's going to be a church. The community where we're going to be in Ecuador is a community where this pastor just felt like, I need to reach out to this community. So he starts going to this community and he starts reaching out to people. And this week he probably had 600 people showing up. He doesn't even have a place. And in their culture, they wouldn't consider that a church. That's just a bunch of people gathering. They got to have a building. They wouldn't, like portable church wouldn't even compute. It wouldn't even be like, they wouldn't even consider us a church because we don't have a place. Because, you know, God is a God of space and just the way they think. So we say plant a church, but I want you to know every time we say that, realize there's already 600 people ready to go. And to them, they're saying, you know, this church in North Carolina is going to plant us, but but God's already got his church going on in Ecuador. So I want you to take a look at this, this first video. I'm standing in a small community outside of Monta, Ecuador called Las Brisas. One year ago, this church that's over my shoulder wasn't here. But because of the generosity of people at a church in Indiana, this church was built and the hope of Christ was brought to this community kids are being sponsored through Compassion International, families are being brought together, and most importantly, people are hearing the message of Christ, many of them for the very first time. I talked to one community leader who said, we thought that God had forgotten us until the church came here. Well, not too far from here, LifePoint has an amazing opportunity to build a church just like this and bring the hope of Christ to a community where they're currently not hearing it. So as we're trying to be God's change agents and take the message to the ends of the earth, a team of us were in Ecuador. This was just in February. I was also there in October, kind of scoping the whole thing out and, and just trying to pray through and see where God was calling us to do, where, what he was calling us to do and be. And then we're there, and then the leaders there said, hey, we, we've changed the community where your church is going to plant a church. It's like, why? Why, you know? I'm all for change, you know, it's what our church is about, but why'd you change it? I thought it was going to be here, and, and so they changed it, and they take us to this other community, and this was totally unplanned. We got to meet the guy who's given his life to pastoring this church that we're going to build their building for them, and I said, his name is Abear, and I said, Abear, how, would you say something to our church back in North Carolina? He totally knows, like, it's $80,000 to build this thing. He knows we're giving it. He knows it's coming, and, and I just like he had no prep I said hey here's a camera here's a microphone could you say something to our church in North Carolina and so this is what he said Dios les bendiga a todos en esta hora quiero presentarme mi nombre quiero presentar también a mi esposa esposa Carlina Macías mi nombre es Javier Vélez pastor Iglesia Monte Olivos, Ecuador, Vía Pachinche. Eh, el deseo nuestro de este sector es poder impactar a esta comunidad para que la obra de Dios crezca, para que la obra de Dios avance, porque hay mucha necesidad en la tierra, 
en este lugar mucha necesidad. Nuestro sueño, nuestro sueño es ver muchos niños, jóvenes, creciendo en la dirección de la palabra de Dios, instruidos por Dios. Ese es el sueño. Estamos a cargo de esta iglesia. Pedimos a Dios cada día dirección. Tenemos cinco niñas. Cinco niñas tenemos. Y queremos agradecerles también a la iglesia Punto de Vida por esta oportunidad, por esta visita de tan lejos poder venir hasta acá, Ecuador y ser ese punto de apoyo para esta comunidad tan necesitada. Queremos también agradecer al pastor Donnie por todos los hermanos que le acompañan por todas sus familias también, que de alguna manera ellos están orando allá por cada uno de, de ustedes que se encuentran acá. Estamos muy contentos de tenerles acá, nos sentimos muy agradecidos, esperamos que ese tiempo que estén ustedes con nosotros pues, sea de mayor provecho, no solo para ustedes, sino para nuestra comunidad, porque esperan ellos también verles, conversar con ustedes, jugar con ustedes, nuestros niños, nuestros jóvenes. Gracias, pastor. Gracias, hermanos. Gracias a Cia Punto de Vida. Que Dios les bendiga y que Dios les guarde en gran manera. I didn't understand a word he said when I was standing there, but we were all just like, you could see the emotion in his face. You could just feel this guy saying thanks. You know what? He's going to get to move into his building before we move into ours. Isn't that cool? And I'm, I'm going to go somehow. I'm going to be there the day when he gets to move in to his building and reach even more people. Because he has dreams for his community. And, and he's got dreams for his Jerusalem, his Judea, his Samaria. And he is our ends of the earth. And we're going to go there and we're going to make such a big difference. And I can't wait for the day that Pastor Abier calls me and says, guess what? We're going to plant a church. And they're taking their church and they're going to other areas of Ecuador. That's transformation. That's what can happen when we become God's change agents. That's what Jesus can do in each of us through this catalyst journey. If you will let him. And that's what he can use us to do in the rest of the world transform it. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for the opportunities that you have put before our church. Father, thank you for Pastor Abair and his wife Carolina, and God, may you bless every person that's a part of what he's doing. And God, their community may not call it a church, and their city may not call it a church, but we know that that's your body. And Father, as we take your message and be witnesses to the ends of the earth. May they feel our love all the way from here to there. God, be with everyone in this room as you transform them to make them more generous, to make them more loving, and to make them better witnesses. I pray.